Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. All right, so welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase, and I have brought to the show a fellow Chris, which is kind of exciting because, I mean, like, why wouldn't it be exciting? But this is episode 206. My guest today is Chris Fudge. How are you today? 206 episodes? My man, that's crazy. So since COVID has started, you've just been doing episodes. Well, I mean, essentially, yeah. Like I started this show in uh, like September 2018. um, And I've always just uh, really pushed on uh, having interviews and growing as a person. I kind of look at this situation that I'm in as a... placing myself in situations where I can learn from other people and being very open-minded as to who I can learn from, um, where some shows might choose only the highest performers or like the most notable people or the most popular people. Um, I'm almost always trying to answer questions going on with the people I'm working with or in my own personal life. And so it's like a a never ending journey, which is a big part of why I kind of named it the lifestyle chase, because it kind of seems like walking down a yellow brick road. Um, Mm. But with that being said, let's segue quickly. Like what what kind of inspired your show? Because I know you kind of got started with COVID and you sort of started with uh, coffee chats with Chris or something like that. That's right. Coffee with Chris. Coffee with Chris. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll jump into that, but, but 200 episodes compliments to you, my man, that uh, people who are listening have no idea. They have no idea the amount of work and time frustrations. I don't know if you swear a lot, but I bet you didn't at one point and you did a lot more once you started editing these things. (laughs) Um, because these podcasts are not hard to do, especially when podcast hosts are doing them by themselves and they're solo casts. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So compliments to you, my man. And the fact that you like to take on anybody, you know, high level performers and low level performers, I will fill the void of the low level guy for you today. So don't you worry about that. My podcast started because uh, I wanted to have coffee with my friend and I couldn't because it was COVID. It was like two weeks or maybe 10 days into it. I'm talking to one of my best buddies by text. He's like, man, I wish I could just go over and have a coffee with you. I'm like, yeah, me too. I wish because we were in lockdown. We were in lockdown. And I said, hey, let's. Let's do it tomorrow on Instagram live. And he's a fitness pro too. So I just did up a live and we just, you know, chatted and we started talking fitness stuff. And then we started talking COVID stuff and we went back to fitness stuff because that's what we're into. And a lot of people were, were watching and they were asking questions. They were into it. So then people were asking me like, Hey, would you, would you do one with this person? Would you do one with this person? I was like, well, I don't know. Let me send him a message. Hey, you want to come on and do coffee? Sure. And then all of a sudden it was topics. I mean, one week I just did, I had powerlifting coaches on only. And then one week I had women, um, uh, like high level business women on only. And I was getting these themes and I'm really enjoying it. I love to talk to people and I found it, it uh, filled the void of me not being social because we were shut down 
And I usually am exposed to, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people a day with my job working with people. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I, I can do this. And then we started opening up and I went back to work and there was no more coffee with Chris, but everyone kept messing me. Hey man, like bring it back. Let's get it going. Like do a podcast, do a podcast. And I was like, I have no idea where to start, but that's actually kind of like my whole experience with fitness. I just dove in. I just jumped in, figured it out for myself in the beginning, looked for resources wherever I could, talked to people who've been doing it for a long time, watched a bunch of YouTube videos. It's not like there's, there's, there's like, you don't go to school to run a podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> like for fitness, I went to school. I did a couple other things, but for the podcast, I just dove in. And then I made mistakes early on. I learned from them very quickly. And yeah, so, you know, my, my, my podcast has 73 episodes, not as many as you have, but I, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun for me. And just like you said, I get to learn from people. I get some people on there who say things I've never thought of. I get experts. I get, you would think a non-expert, but sometimes people's experience just makes them an expert in something. And I walk away most of the time better than when I, when I said, you know, hey, how you doing? Well, exactly. And I mean, a testament to you is just the fact like the volume of episodes that you've done in the time frame. Um, and I think we've essentially been following one another around since around the time that your podcast started, I think, because I remember taking note that uh, you had a show. So I tuned into a few episodes and uh, I've noticed you've done very well on the charts, which is no small feat. That's very impressive. And I can correlate that to uh, a lot that sets you apart. Like you are a very humble human being. Um, you don't pump your own tires too, too much. Um, but you have a long career, like you've been at this for a long time. And I was doing some research, uh, ahead of this episode, like, uh, share with the audience, like when your, um, journey training people began, like at what age? Well, it, it's a different story and I haven't met anyone who had the same story yet, which is kind of, you know, unique. I went to the gym like anyone else. I wanted to better myself. I want to look better. I want to attract girls and I want to be a little, maybe a little better at sports. So I was 12, 13 years old and my family just gets a gym membership at the military base. So, you know, my mom and dad were military. I lived in Ormock, New Brunswick, base Gagetown, essentially. So we get a family membership to start on January 1st. We were in New Year's. I was a New Year's resolution. So my dad takes me to the gym and, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we ride the bike and we play badminton, a little basketball. And then dad went into the weight room and I said, well, well, can I go in there? And he's like, yeah, sure. I guess you can. But the rule was I had to be like with him, um, which I was not with him. We were both in the weight room and he's like, don't go near me. You go to your own thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I would just go over and I'd do biceps and some chest stuff and some biceps and some chest stuff. And I would do it on Tuesday and I'd do it on Wednesday. And I had like epicondylitis after a few weeks, but all of a sudden the weekend rolled around and I'm like, yeah, dad, I want to go. I want to go to the gym. I want to lift. And he's like, uh, I'm not going on the weekends. I'm a Monday to Friday guy. He's like, figure it out. Dad, I want to go lift. And he's like, no, figure it out. You're on your own. And that, that phrase, figure it out, has been my, my, my montage my entire life. My mantra. That's how I, I roll. I figure it out when I don't know. Because I didn't know what to do. So I literally went to the gym on my bike, 12 or 13 years old. And I show up it's Saturday and I'm like, hey, um, my dad's not here. I want to go in the weight room and lift weights. I'm not old enough. You had to be 16 to be doing alone. What could I do? And they're like, how oh, do you got an uncle? You got you know, someone to come with your mom? I'm like, no, they're like, there's no one. I'm like, no, there's no one. They're like, Hmm. Well, you know what? We have 
like a fitness course. It's a weekend course. And if you take it, like, yeah, I guess you, you can go in there because you'll have some, some knowledge. And from a liability perspective, I'm like, okay, cool. Where's the information? They gave me the information. I biked home, told my dad I want to do this course. It was a two weekend course. And he said, okay. So he fronted me the money to do it. It was a, like a basic personal trainer course. It was called intro to fitness course. And I said, okay. So I went and I did it and I was right into it. I was like into the muscles and the actions and the movements. And for the first time in my life, I realized that is something I was really into. I loved it. I was almost in awe of it because even learning it, it was one of the things I wanted to know. Think of it when you're 12 years old and you're in class, when are you ever, Oh, what happens next? Right. This doesn't come too often. You're doing your binomials in grade six. You're not like, Oh, what happens next? So I was into it. And uh, then I was able to go in the weight room and work out myself. And that's where I kind of started from, but I wasn't getting paid. So I wasn't working. I was just working out, but I started getting paid for it um, when I was in college. So I went to university a little bit. Then I went back to college. I went back to university. And when I was in college, I did a few certifications. I did like my, my ACE personal trainer, my CSEP CPT personal trainer. And I, I had these certifications, but they hired me on in the, like the lab and I was doing like fitness assessments. So people would come in, I would do all these fitness assessments on them, but I wasn't hired on as a personal trainer. So I would write the prescriptions of what they needed to do, give it to them or give it to a personal trainer. And they'd have to go and train the people. So I was getting paid to assess people essentially. Um, but I wasn't getting paid as a personal trainer. Shortly after that, I got hired on as, as a personal trainer and I started training people while I was still in school. So, I mean, I've been getting paid for it since 2005. So that puts me in like my 16th year as a personal trainer. And I've been with uh, Good Life Fitness now for, I think about 13 years, 12, 13 years with them. That like, honestly, that is a journey that I haven't heard of either. And I like to think that I've talked to a lot of people and that's kind of what got me excited about having you on the show, because sometimes uh, people need to hear other journeys, like something that's just a little bit of a different story um, and something to draw more perspective from. What yeah, was it like? I, oh, I, go I, ahead. I also like I was in New Brunswick, this is the Maritimes. But you have to understand something. You're in Alberta, right? You're in Edmonton, yeah. I was born in Red Deer, by the way, down the road. Anywho, so you got to understand the Maritimes has the highest rates of obesity in Canada. It's got the highest rates of inactivity in Canada. It has the highest rates of medication in, in Canada per user. And the Maritimes also has the highest average age of individuals, specifically New Brunswick. So you can, you can say that the most unhealthy people in our country, they're out east. Okay. Like that's a safe thing. So knowing that, where do you think the need for physical fitness, personal training is the need is there. They need it more than anyone else. So I was working as a personal trainer in that area and there wasn't a lot of opportunity at the time. There wasn't a lot of people. It was more of like a, like a, a bougie thing. Like only the wealthy people had a personal trainer. That's, that's just how it was. And so I was doing my best. And then I heard about in Ontario, people will sometimes buy personal training and they'll sign up and they'll work with a trainer for a year. I was working with people for six workouts at a time, like six sessions. So they're like, hey, I want to lose six pounds. I'm like, okay, six sessions. I want to lose 10, 10 sessions. That's a lot of pressure, by the way, because that's kind of what we, we brought up learning. 
that's what we knew. And then all of a sudden I said, man, I could go to Ontario. And in Ontario, people are going to commit to like six months of training, 12 months of training with the trainer. I was like, what, what could I do with someone? You gotta understand. I was trying to maximize six workouts with a human being. How can I change their life in six workouts to all of a sudden you get 150 workouts with someone? Like, what could you do? And I saw what training did for me. I saw what training did. You know, I, I trained my family on and off for years. I trained a lot of my buddies back in the day. And I was like, oh man, if I had someone just longer than those six workouts or 12 workouts, I could really change their life. So I just, I, I moved to Ontario. I came to Ontario. So I'll give myself three months, see what I can do here as a profession. And uh, I've been here ever since just because I took off as soon as I made my, my way here in Ontario. Well, I mean, that's awesome to kind of hear that. And it basically answered my question. I was like, what essentially is that like the, the start of when you started working for good life or did you hop to different gyms before you <laughs> found good life or how'd that go? Well, this was, this is a kind of a funny story. Um, so I was working at the university of Brunswick and I was a strength conditioning coach during the school year. Good job. I got paid, um, almost peanuts. You know, people say I got paid peanuts less than that was what I got. But I also got credits for school, so it was good for that stuff. But so I worked with a lot of the, the sports teams, the wrestling team, basketball team, men's and women's swim teams, men's and women's. But then eventually, like school stops, so you need to do something in the off season. I'd read everyone their off season programming, and that was it. So I'd work in the assessment center lab there, and I would help out with do some physical testing for the RCMP, the criminal justice system. But again, it wasn't like full time work, and I had rent, and I had school bills, and I just wasn't making enough. And then all of a sudden, there was um, a good life that popped up. And I said, okay, I want to go work there. So I applied online. This was when applying for jobs online was just starting out. So I applied online and then I get a phone call. And then um, in the phone call, it was like, Hey, here's your job interview live. It's going to be here, here, here. So, okay, no problem. So I show up to the good life and uh, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. Women's only. All right, whatever. Like I like, I can work with women. So I walk in and right away, they're like, whoa, whoa, what, who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you can't look. I'm like, what, what is going on? It's not a strip club. What's going on here? I said, I'm here for a job interview. And they're like, for what? I'm like, for a personal trainer. And they like run and get someone. They look down on something. And they said, are you Chris? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you're a man. I'm like, ta-da. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And they said, oh, we thought you were a female. I'm like, no. And as being another Chris, maybe it's happened in your life where you see that there's Chris that can be male and female, same names. I'm like, no, like I'm a, I'm a dude, I'm a man. I'm like, oh, we don't hire men. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I wanted a job. But luckily enough, there was a co-ed club in the area and they just made a couple phone calls and they flipped me over to the co-ed club. And I went to the co-ed club and I applied like 10 times. I could not get an interview. Like they, they even tried to set it up for me and I kept, I'm like, hey, did anyone like, so I eventually got an interview, got a job there, and I was only working for about two months when the opportunity came to move to Ontario. So it was hard for me even to get on board, um, but once I got on board, then I got a, a transfer over to Ontario, and then I've just been with Good Life ever since. But I started old school, like level one trainer. In the Maritimes, you start at level one. Well, I mean, when it comes to like the struggle to get the interview, like how did you keep pushing forward? Like, I think that's a common thing that happens to a lot of people where they're just trying to get a job and it's nearly impossible. I know I had that experience, um, but let's hear yours. I just kept going in. Like I knew, I knew where the building was. I was going in like every five days. And I eventually I was like, hey, where's where's the person in charge? Who's in charge? Let me talk to that that person there. 
And they said, well, you know, we actually don't have a fitness manager at the time. So me being me, I'm like, I want to apply for that job. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, it doesn't really work that way. I'm like, well, do they hire trainers? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, I'll apply for it. And I'll hire myself. And they, they, you know, they laughed about it. And I think I made an impression because eventually I got an interview with the general manager, right? They didn't have a PT. And then they brought in like a PT specialist with a version of it back then. And then they, they interviewed me and, and, and that, that was that. But I just kept going into the building. It's not like, I, I'm not like one of those people like I, I refuse to take no as an answer. I never got an answer. So I had to keep going in until I at least got an answer of like, why am I not being hired? I had credentials to be employed in that industry. And there was a sign on the door saying we're hiring. So to me, I said, there's something's missing here. Eventually it's going to work out. So I just kept going in you know, every five days and you know, after about two or three weeks, eventually it worked out. Well, I mean, that's awesome. When it came to the move to Ontario, was there any fear or were you just like push ahead, keep going, make the move? <laughs> you want to know what I did? Um, so I have an aunt and uncle that live, live here in Ottawa. And my aunt said to me, she goes, if you ever want to come to Ottawa and, and see it, you can stay with us, you know, as long as you want, you can take, come for a vacation. You can move here. We'll, we'll take you in. One of the, one of the closest people in my life uh, when it comes to family. And so I said, I'm going to come up during my March break I'm gonna come up during the March break time. And I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. So I came up for a week and what I did, I, I wasn't with good life at all yet. Right. I wasn't with good life. I was just working kind of at school doing fitness stuff. Uh, so what I did was I went from gym to gym and I got that free day pass, right? You go online, you print it out. So I was going to different gyms in the location, not just good life, so other gyms. And I go in as a guest and I would work out and I would just look around and try to be like, hmm, could this be a place someday I'd want to work? You know, to three or four different ones. And eventually I went to, the, to a good life one. And I remember the good life I walked into, which is the one I work at today. And I walked in. The first thing I noticed was as soon as I walked in, packed, bodies everywhere. The machines were full. It wasn't a treadmill in sight. And then there was this lineup. There's this crazy lineup from one room all the way to the change room. And I remember just walking past everyone, like, what is everyone lining up for? And they were lining up for, for group fitness, right? Like a group fitness class. And, and I was like, why are they there so early? I asked someone, I said, what is this for? They said, they got a class. So what time's the class at? It's the class of 5.30. And I look at my watch and it was like 4.50. And I'm like, everyone comes so early? And they're like, yeah, because only so many people get in. So now I'm thinking, okay, this is... This is a, you know, a little bit more exclusive, right? This is kind of like the club scene. So then I did the math very quickly. I'm like, not everyone here is getting into that class. So what are the other people going to do? They're going to walk around and work out. And I said, okay, then that's more members. And then I had a quick gander. And I looked around at different personal trainers. And personal trainers had different um, levels back then. We were called like master trainer, elite trainer, elite plus trainer. You wear these vests that would say that on the vest. And it just looked really like badass. I'm like, there's a master trainer. And I'm thinking master Yoda. Like, you know, I'm thinking like, these are unique individuals. And I was like, I want to be a master trainer. I want to be an elite trainer. They didn't know which was higher than the other one. Right. But I thought it was really cool. And the big thing that, that's, that struck out, that stuck out to me was this is an opportunity to work with a lot of people. I can take something that I, I love to do and I can actually make it a career. And I said, if there's a place where I'm going to make a career out of this, it's going to be in this spot right here. Because I, you know, like I said, it was my, uh, I've been to multiple gyms, the, you know, over the week. And this was the one that just said, I can get busy here so I can grow as a personal trainer myself. So I said, this is exactly where I want to go. Now, the hard part was after my workout, the guy tried to sell me a membership. <laughs> 
and I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta think about it. And he's and he's like, oh, he's going over these objectives with me, objections. And I'm like, oh, I gotta talk to my wife. I wasn't married at the time. He's like, oh, let's get her on the phone. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know what to say. I just want to like get a freebie and then leave. And uh, it was funny because I eventually started working at that club, and he was still selling member memberships when I when I came back. <laughs> well, I mean. It's funny that you kind of outline that because that is like that would be a person's go to just like, oh, I need to talk to my partner, my wife, like whatever. Um, And then to have that backfire. But uh, what were your first two weeks like when you got the job? Like usually to start a new role or to start in a new environment, it has some like uh, growing pains. Um, Did you have any? Yeah, like anyone else. I mean, when I started in, in New Brunswick as a personal trainer, there was no manager at the time. So it was kind of like you get thrown in, good luck kind of scenario. I had a little bit of help from like a senior trainer and a little bit from the general manager. The fitness manager didn't come on until a little bit later. So I was kind of just walking around, not really sure what to do. I was in, I was coached and encouraged to go talk to as many people as possible. And uh, listening to me now, you might be like, oh, that was probably easy for you, Chris. Like you, you talk all the time. Well, no. At one point in time, nobody talks to everyone. You got to start somewhere. And I was always comfortable with doing like presentations in school because I planned for them. So if I had everything planned out and organized, I was so much better at it. But when there was no planning, there was no organizing, it was very like fearful. And that's what it was talking to members on the floor because there's no plan except for what are you working out today? What comes next? And that's scary. And I found it very difficult, but I was put on the spot multiple times before by you know senior people and be like, hey. Go talk to that person, find out their goals. And I'd be like, okay, it's part of the job. Let's go do it. You know, you want to vomit when you do this because you, you get the feeling sometimes that people don't want to hear you talk. But every now and then someone is hoping you're going to talk to them. When they see you with the PT shirt on, they're hoping someone's going to say, hey, do you need help? Is there something I can assist you with? Do you have any questions with that? And then all of a sudden you become, you become part of a solution to somebody's problem which deep down inside, that's what every personal trainer wants to be able to do. So that was, I was always planned to help people, but it was the approach that I struggled with in the beginning. Now, when I was with that place, then I had to transition to the Ontario one. I had to do an exit interview, like I was quitting or being fired. So they're like, yeah, I take the exit. I'm like, not exiting. I'm just transitioning to a new club. They're like, sorry, it's part of it. So I'm like, okay. So I take the phone call and on the phone call, they asked me, why are you leaving good life? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not leaving guy. I just told you like, I'm just going to Ontario. And they're like, we got to answer the question. I'm like, okay, to go to Ontario. So I, I get in contact with Ontario's fitness manager, good friend today named Luke Rowan. He, he was a very good fitness manager over the years. And uh, through email, he said, yeah, when you get into town, come and see me, drop into the club and see me and we'll set something up. So as soon as I got into Ontario, um, got off the, the plane, Went to my aunt and uncle's, dropped my stuff off, ran down to the gym. I was going to go in to book my, my, my interview. I wasn't going in to interview. I was going in to book my interview because it was summertime. It was like August. So, you know, I, I got a cutoff on. I used to have long flowing blonde hair and I had like a bandana on, cut off and some flip-flops. It looked like I just came from the beach. And I walk in, I just wanted to see the fitness manager and set up an appointment. So he's like, oh, you're, you're Chris? I'm like, yeah, sorry, sorry to disappoint you. Um, but he put me right on the spot. Then and there, he gave me an interview and I wasn't prepared for it. 
Uh, so I had to like re-interview for the job. And I remember being in like flip-flops and like showing them how to do a seated row. I'm like, oh, I look like such a loser right now. Um, but I did it. And it was so funny because the story goes like, he said, okay, I'll call you in a couple of days, whatever. I said, no problem. So I leave the gym. And then one of the girls at the front desk said, are you going to hire that guy? And as a joke, he's like, doubtful, probably not. <laughs> but he ended up hiring me. And then, you know, you know, that, that, that's the story. I'm still with the company, but <laughs> I didn't have a great first impression. I had a good enough first impression, I guess. Well, I mean, that is, that is big in this industry. Like sometimes a person could come in and set a bad impression. And that is like the marker of why their, their career goes the way it goes. Like I went into a gym and wore the wrong kind of pants and that set a bad impression. Like, it's just like that comes up often. And I'm glad that it worked out because what I've seen is how like, it's continued to grow and you've had like thousands of hours in the industry, but something that stands out to me when I see your career from the outside looking in is that you're able to still be a family man. Um, so what is it like to go through the balance of that? So many people talk about how that is a challenge to balance career and family, or just like to take care of yourself as well. Like how do you navigate that and make sure that that's still something that can happen? Well, in the beginning, I didn't do anything, so I didn't deserve anything. And what I mean by that was I wasn't at any superior level. I hadn't established myself as a long-term trainer. I had not already put in all this time, so I had to do it. Sometimes people are told the story that's curated out there is once you graduate high school and you take a little course here and there, you're going to walk into a six-figure job. You're going to work Monday to Friday, eight to four with a one-hour lunch break, and you're going to be comfortable. That doesn't happen anywhere, nowhere that I'm aware of, especially in the personal training industry. So in the beginning, I worked. I worked hard. I worked a lot. And I worked a lot more than most of the people around me. And that allowed me to grow as a personal trainer by making mistakes. It allowed me to grow by building experience. So in the beginning, you know, your first client 6am, your last is 9pm, Monday to Friday. It would, it would be like that on Saturday, Sunday, except we were open eight to six. So on Saturday, Sunday, I worked eight to six. I remember doing, we used to sell these 30 minute uh, workouts to people, these uh, 30 minute sessions. And on Saturdays and Sundays, I would go eight to six, some sometimes straight 30 minute sessions of the exact same workout. We're selling machines. It was the fit fix, four county centric, two count concentric you know, and you go over to the next one. So I'd go to bed at night in my head, I close my eyes, four, three, two, one, pause. And I'd be saying it in my head because I did it so much. And eventually I started getting clientele. I started getting business from that. So then I started doing no Sundays. So Sunday is going to be like refresh, refresh. And then I started working less on Saturdays because I was being busy enough Monday to Friday. And my long-term goal always was to scale as high as I can, um, whatever the company offers. And I love the idea of, of, you know, when I started with the company, they had levels and levels essentially allowed you to make a better living for yourself if you reach a higher level, but to do it, you have to build some experience and it created challenges rather than just jumping in at level one and staying at level one forever. So I said, okay, where's the top? How do I get to the top? Lay it out for me great. I'm going to do that. Whatever's required. That's how I'm going to do it. And I've talked to a lot of people over the years who say, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. 
and, and they don't do it because I think the expectations are a bit different on them. I was going into that with the expectation of I was going to try to surpass as much as I can, you know, at, at, at a certain level um, under my terms, get there and then scale my business differently. Now, when I started working, I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a cat, not even a hamster. So I was able to dedicate myself to that. You gotta remember, I, I moved provinces. I wasn't working, you know, living with my mom and dad. I didn't have that cushion. I had to survive, pay my rent, pay my bills, or it's not going to work out. So I had a little more skin in the game. And I knew that right off the bat. So it made it easy for me to make that decision to be like, yeah, I'll take a 9 p.m. And I don't think that everyone should. I was under different circumstances where I would say I, I had to, to kind of survive or to be as successful as I wanted to be in this one domain. So I did that. But over time, Chris, like it started changing. I stopped working Sundays. And then Saturdays, I would take one client because I'd go in and train. So I would take one client that I'd work out. Then eventually it was no Saturdays. And then at one time in one summer, I wasn't working Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays. I was working four days a week, but I was still making the hours I needed to, to still progress as a trainer. And then I was making the hours that allowed me to pay my bills and, and live and have a career. And then Eventually, it was a little bit less, a little bit less, a little more, a little more. So right now, the way my work, my, my job is, is I go, I go six to noon, Monday to Friday, six hours a day, and, and, and that's it. I haven't worked a weekend in like eight years. So I'm very fortunate to set myself up that way, plan my business the way I want it, and then attract the right people to fill those time slots. And what's even funnier is, you know, like you have the clients who you train at 7 p.m. and you'd say, hey, do you think you commit at like four? I'm going to have a 4 p.m. opening. Ah, uh, sorry, can't do it. Okay, no problem. And then all of a sudden you say, yeah, I'm not working at 7 a.m. anymore. So we're going to set you up with someone else. And they're like, what else you got? Well, well, nothing you can do. Well, what do you got? Well, I got 4 p.m. I can make that. Really interesting. <laughs> but that's just from, you know, providing good service, servicing the client that's paying you and allowing them, or sorry, um, and then making sure that they get what they want out of you as a trainer. And then all of a sudden they will bend their lifestyles around, making sure they can, they can work with you. So it's not like I only work these time slots, take it or leave it. It's, oh, we've established pretty good results, pretty good rapport. You know, I'm helping you live longer. You're going to want that in their life. So they'll adjust around it to make sure it happens. Well, I mean, the takeaways from that are endless. And I'm going to try and make sure that brand new trainers listen to this because there's a lot of like clues that you're leaving for people. And like it, it does kind of come down to situation specific. Not everybody's going to have the same amount of skin in the game. Like not everybody's going to have the same high stakes. Um, and that's okay. And just being self-aware of that is going to make a big difference. Um, how did you meet your wife? Like how, how did that story unfold? Oh, she was a trainer. Obviously it's how all trainers meet their wives. They're all usually all trainers as well. Um, so it, it was interesting. We used to cross paths. So I'd, I'd go in there at work and she only worked certain shifts. Then she had another job and like would leave and stuff. We used to cross paths every day. And then one day we crossed paths and she just looked uh, like upset. Like she was like, she was crying or something. And I'm like, Hey, you okay? She's like, no, me and my boyfriend just broke up. I'm like, that's terrible. So let me take you out for a coffee. We can talk about it. <laughs> so, you know, I just slipped her a roof in and, uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But no, I know. I did. Yeah. She, she's broke up. So she was, uh, looking to, um, talk about it. And I was, I just happened to be the, the sucker, uh, you know, with ears, I was willing to listen. And, um, 
she understood we we're both trainers. She was one of the high level performers at the club, higher than me when, when we first met. And um, she understood the way the game worked and, and how you have to work your business. You got to be busy to get busy long-term. So when I kind of laid out how I wanted the business to go and the plan long-term, she was on board hundred percent. So very supportive, very supportive. So it's easy to have that when you have support system at home. Now I got a dad or I say, I'm a dad. I have a dad too. I'm a dad. I got, I got two boys. And uh, so my lifestyle has to be, you know, it's got to fit them how I want things to go for them. So, you know, I do the after school routine. I do the evening routine. I do the weekend routine, right? That's kind of my thing. So I make sure that I'm, I'm there after school to pick them up. I'm in a very good position where because I'm a personal trainer, because I've done what I have done, I'm done at noon each day. So at three o'clock, I can go pick them up. If I want to go to the school, knock on the door and take them out early to have an afternoon with dad day, I, I can do that. But I can do that because, you know, I've done 20,000 plus hours PT. I've curated a pretty good um, um, schedule. Uh, I would say pay your dues kind of scenario. But what people don't understand in the training industry, in my opinion, is it's possible. Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. You know, I went to high school for four years, like a lot of people, right? You know, I have a kindergree. That's nothing exceptional. I mean, like you can get a kindergree these days online without even having to show up. It's not that difficult. And there's a lot of really um, high level trainers who are self-taught. You can get this optimal schedule. You can get this optimal position. You can get this high level position if you want, but he's got to put the time in. You got to do the work. You got to make the mistakes. You got to learn from it. You got to learn from the people around you who, when they suggest something, you do it. An example would be, you know, I knew one guy, he never worked um, Friday afternoons. That's where I got the idea of getting off Friday afternoons and the weekends. And I, and he'd go golfing on the afternoons. And I'd say, how'd you do that? What conversations did you have with your clients? And then he gave me a lot of really good tips. So of course I'm going to follow it. Success leaves clues. He was a living example of it works. Now the mistake people might make is they might say, mm, I don't want to try that. I'll try something else. That, try, that sounds too hard or it doesn't sound like it would work. And then you don't know. I mean, you can't win the lotto if you don't buy a ticket. You got to try. I mean, that's an important point. The whole like lotto analogy, like you're not going to know unless you put yourself out there and apply yourself and express effort in whatever modality that you want. And earlier you alluded to the fact that like this is this applies to every industry. Like this applies if we were two restaurant owners talking to each other or if we were like two lawyers talking to each other. Like you do have to um, accumulate some hours and you do need to ask better questions and be open to feedback and be willing to make mistakes. Um, with regards to learning from clients, because I personally find that I learn lots from my clients. Do you find that uh, the people that you've trained and worked with have uh, shaped the way you are as a human being? 100%. Tons of knowledge I've learned just from having conversations with people. You got to understand that we'll spend two to four hours with someone a week. That adds up over a year. That adds up over five years. You know, I've got some people I've worked with for around nine years now. You know, we, we've gotten close. I've been to their wedding. I've been to their kids' weddings and stuff. You know, like it gets pretty personal. Christmas time's amazing. They, they buy me the best gifts, but they give me the best advice. And I know exactly when something comes up, who to call, who to message. And it's funny because they are your clients, but it's different than other industries. You work in the health industry. Let's say you're a nurse or you're an ER doc or something. Hopefully you only see someone, you know, for 
couple of days a week and that's it. And they move on. They're good. And they go back home because they're the last line of defense, right? We're, we're the first line, you know, we, we prevent death, we prevent illness. So people are going to want to, they're not going to get healthy and then stop. They're going to stay with you so that they can increase their longevity. So you're going to get to know these people. And one of the things that um, I've been very lucky with is I've never had a client pass away and I know what's going to happen because uh, a colleague of mine, the average clientele he trains is like 65. We call him like the geriatric specialist, right? And, and he's, you know, he's had clients get sick and, and pass. And I'm always like, man, like, I know that day is going to come for me. It has not happened yet. It's going to be unfortunate when it does, but that is a fact of life. But I've, I've, I've trained some really cool people. And you learn a lot of good things. Like, uh, like I got, we got a family cottage and stuff and I was never really like huge into fishing and uh, I got a really good tip. It's like, Hey, if you want to create a relationship with your kids, find something outside of the city that you can do at a young age when they're at a young age and then it becomes a habit and a routine. They'll want to always do it. And I'm like, okay, great. I got, I got a cottage. I got water. Maybe I'll start fishing. So buy a boat, right? Get some rods and I just take my sons out fishing. And I had zero desire to fish. Like for me, it was like, no, but now guess what? It's one of those things that we do and they look forward to it so much. And there's a lot of lessons that can be learned to sit in, the, in a boat, getting no bites for two hours in the afternoon on a lake. And it's great time to have with my kids. That was one of the best lessons that I ever got or one of the best tidbits I ever got from a client. Well, I mean, that really stands out because that kind of goes back into like what, what matters in life. Like, what legacy are we having on the people in our life? Um, but with regards to advice and stuff, are there two other pieces that kind of stand out to you? Cause like, this is gold. Like, like let's, uh, let's chat about it. <laughs> you mean advice from, from clients? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. So for any young, okay, this, okay. For any new home buyer, be prepared. When you're going to go buy a house, this happened to me. So I'm from New Brunswick, gonna buy a house here in Ontario and the small houses the townhouses are a quarter million bucks 250 G's right like that's that's your dumpster that's a dumpster I'll get you a dumpster out here so looking for one and then all of a sudden they're, they're showing me these houses and then these prices and stuff I'm like oh, like this is so expensive I'm like in New Brunswick for 250 you can get a mansion you get five acres like you get everything you want and I'm like how do people even afford this so get my first house and then I'm signing all this paperwork and stuff. And I'm like, well, what's this number here? And I'm like, that's your interest. And I'm like, my interest, like, that's what I pay per year, like on my house. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, how do people afford this? How do they keep it up? And then all of a sudden there was this other little number there. And I'm like, what's that? They're like, that's your, that's um, like your, your mortgage insurance. And I'm like, okay. And it looked like a small number. And then five years go by and one day I'm looking at all my, 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 my money stuff. And I'm like, this number adds up. And I just did the math quickly. I'm like five years. I was paying this mortgage insurance bi-weekly. It was like, you know, 250 bucks a month. I'm like, the heck is this even for? I go into the bank because I, well, I mentioned it to a client. And they're like, you don't pay mortgage insurance, do you? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, that's big, big scam. I'm like, what do you mean? So I went to the bank and I explained to them, like, what is this number for? And they're like, this is okay. You know, in case you pass away, die, forbid you can't pay. And this covers the remaining amount of the mortgage. Like it's the insurance you pay for. And I just do the math quickly. And I'm like, you know, this is like, $60,000 over the lifetime of the mortgage. And they're like, yeah, but I mean, it covers it. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could get life insurance for $200 a year and it would cover more. And they're like, oh, I guess you could do that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you knew I could do this? 
So talk to another client who actually sells life insurance. And I get a package of life insurance and it's about that. And it covers twice the, the value of my house, right? Forever, as long as I keep paying it monthly. So I go back to the bank. I'm like, I'm not paying mortgage insurance anymore. Give me the papers to sign. So over a 25-year period, you say, like, I think it would cost me $5,000 over a 25-year period for life insurance. That's like a million bucks, right? Versus the 60 grand I would have spent on mortgage insurance over the 25-year period. 25 year period. That was a huge, like that, that, like, that goes in the pocket. So anytime someone talks about, like, buying a house, that's the first thing I say to them. Don't pay the mortgage insurance. Go get life insurance. You're good to go. Holy crap. That's good advice. Let, let's see if you got another one of those. <laughs> well, that's not really like from a training perspective, but that was, that was like a life perspective. Um, so another one I have is uh, uh, we have a, a hamster. We, we just got a hamster um, 15 days ago and it died on day 13. It died on day 13. Didn't, didn't make it. So one of my clients who's had a hundred hamsters in her life, I asked her all these these good tips. I'm like, we need, we need a new hamster. What's the best way to go about it? So one, one of the tips she gave me, she's like, you know, don't go long hair, go short hair. I'm like, why not long hair? She said, well, long hair, they attract all these things that get stuck in their hair and it leaves a mess. And I like having a clean house. So the idea of hamster stuff all over the place, like would drive me bonkers. And sure enough, like we go to get the next hamster. My boys are like, oh, we want that one there. And quickly I look long hair. I'm like, not doing that. We're getting clean ones. We're getting short haired hamsters. We got a short haired hamster. You know, it's not as impactful if you don't have hamsters, but if you don't like like a dirty house and a mess, then for sure go short haired over long haired and they live a little bit longer. But if you don't want a hamster to live that long, go long hair. That was unexpected and also <laughs> valuable, <laughs> but that's, that's the cool thing about like digging deeper into the connections, like to, to give people some perspective, you and I have followed each other for more than a year. And these are all things that I would not have known had you not been on the show. And so anybody that knows people that even if they see them regularly, um, asking more questions is going to get you so much for more value in like the connections that you have and like the amount of personal growth that you can experience. Um, and it, it's endless. Um, something that I wanted to touch on before we draw this episode to a close is just like your, your growth in the online space. Like you do some, some remote training and stuff like that. Like how, how did that come to fruition and how has it grown over the years? Well, the, um, so my, I have involvement as a, uh, um, a teacher, I'm an education teacher, I guess you could call it a fitness education teacher. So I, uh, I've taught for uh, many years for DTS fitness education as one of their instructors. So I was teaching for them a lot of their live courses. So I've taught almost all the courses DTS offers, except for like the newer stuff in the last few years. Um, and then I started teaching the barbell course as well. So we had a powerlifting fundamentals course and that transitioned to a barbell, um, um, strength um, certification, and then COVID hit. So everything flipped online. So we started doing some education stuff online. Now my background is, is also education. So I have an education degree and a kinesiology degree, and I love teaching. I mean, that's one of my passions. And if you asked me, you know, uh, 20 years ago, like, what do you want to do when you get older? I'm like, I, I, I want to be involved with fitness and I want to be involved with instructing it or instructing, teaching something. And luckily enough, I'm able to do both. I did some teaching with Good Life Fitness, and then I, that branched off into the DTS. And I've worked for a few other companies as well. It allows me to do that. So the online space, because of COVID, has just exploded where you're allowed to do that, right? There's now options where you can't take these courses live anymore. So now they're just being flipped 
that way. So the online game has, has really opened up to a lot of people. And, you know, when COVID happens, depending on what you do for work, you know, you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. So a lot of the people that I was working with live, we flipped them into those virtual sessions. We do a virtual session at home and I still have clients I do virtual sessions with. Um, so I'll give you an example. Because one of my clients, Fridays are 50-50, right? Some Fridays wants to get up and come into the gym early in the morning for a training session. Some Fridays would rather do it from her living room. So I get the text message, usually 10 minutes before our session. And it's like coming in or I'm going to be at home. Great, no problem. So she's got two workouts. Um, and that was also very beneficial because uh, multiple times a year, her and her family like to take a big trip and they'll go to a place and they'll spend two or three weeks on this tiny little island where it's sun and they could do a lot of scuba diving. In the past, we never trained, right? So if this person's going to take this trip three times a year, that's nine weeks off a year. You know, that's 27 workouts that they're going to be missing, you know, ideally. So for me, that's a hole in my schedule. For them, that's, that's nine weeks they're going to regress from a fitness perspective. Because of COVID and because we flipped our model to being able to do virtual sessions, all our clients need now is the internet. Once they got the internet, we can facilitate a training session. So because I got to practice a lot of it, when our gym was shut down, we were doing it anyway. She came to me and she's like, hey, we could do this when I go to the island. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So now I know that this coming year, when those trips happen, I don't have to fill those spots. I don't have to find ways to, to get busy. It's not going to affect you know, my bottom dollar either, right? So that, that's very beneficial for me is, is how the virtual space now made it just much more um, applicable for me. Definitely. Um, have you been training some uh, competitive athletes lately? I think I've seen some stuff in your Instagram stories. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'll always say that I was a, a coach first before, you know, an athlete myself. You know, I even started my, my, my first powerlifting meet while I was coaching someone. I wasn't actually competing. And um, so, yeah, I had a few athletes this uh you know, just this past year, go to the North American Powerlifting Association Championships. And I had a couple athletes go down to the World Championships as well. And um, because some events are still going on, I mean, powerlifting is kind of my, my, my thing. That's where I tend to coach more. But I've done the, the aesthetics world as well. You know, I used to train uh, bikini girls. And that's just a whole nother, that's a whole nother game over there compared to uh, the sports side of it. But I'd always say like I'm a coach before an athlete first. And I always look at things from a coaching perspective. I mean, when the Olympics are on, like even this year, I noticed that they had uh, like three on three basketball at the Olympics. And uh, like I used to coach basketball. So watching that with a different mindset or a different eye set um, makes things very interesting for me rather than from like the athletic perspective. So yeah, powerlifting, I had some people there and I got, I got a young girl who's going to uh, the open world powerlifting championships in, um, it is in Sweden and she's going down in two weeks, two weeks for that. Love it. And it just kind of speaks to the amount of like the the depth of the different experiences that can happen in a career like this and how um, just a person's role can evolve. And like you can start off with like some general population or maybe you can you talked about like the, the physique aspect and the, the performance aspect and then the development aspect and just uh, it. This career is what you make of it if you're willing to put in a lot you'll likely get out a lot if you kind of feel discouraged easily it's gonna be very challenging if you are relentless and keep pushing forward um that attitude pays off um mm -hmm. 
something that I wanted to dig into was uh, as a podcast host, you must have some episodes that really like stand out to you that are like your go-to recommendation for other people to listen to. If you were to recommend a couple episodes of your show that you think would be very impactful, which, which episodes would they be? How to sleep naked, <laughs> how to sleep naked. I think it's episode 17. Um, so I have two variations of my episodes. One, one is always I interview uh, an expert, I bring an expert on or someone who has a good story. We have a conversation. A lot of times they're telling me or they're teaching me. Uh, I've had Dr. Norm Robichard on and he was talking about um, gut health, gut bacteria, why it's so important. You know, I've had uh, vegetarian, vegan uh, people on there and they talk about those benefits. I've had vegetarians on there. I've had some really cool specialists. Kelly Sturette was on. He's coming on again next month. And he talked about the ready state program and longevity, but then I do these 10 minute how to's because some people just want to know like, Hey, quick fact, how do I know how to do blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I make these 10 minute how to's. So I did one about, you know, how sleeping naked can be beneficial for fat loss. And it, it can be because it also increases your body's ability to fall into a deep sleep, REM sleep, when you can fall into a deep sleep, your body's ability to be rested and recovered or higher. So when you wake up in the morning, your stress hormones aren't as high. So your ability to metabolize fat throughout the day is better. Your digestion is better. So if you go to bed naked, if you go to bed naked, naturally, your body temperature decreases at a faster rate. If your body temperature decreases at a faster rate, you stay in this deep sleep. You fall into deep sleep and you stay in deep sleep longer. So you wake up more rested. So right off the bat, if anyone's like, I don't sleep very good, you're probably too warm. If you don't want to open a window, just go to sleep naked. So Fun facts. 17. Yeah. Learn something <laughs> new every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so that, that would for sure, for, for sure be a good one if you haven't heard that one yet. Do you have a second one? A second one? Um, I just had a gentleman on, uh, this came out this week here, um, Dr. Mitchell Yoss. And Dr. Mitchell Yoss is, um, he's a like a pain maintenance guy. So what he does is he works with people when they've seen every specialist and they're in pain, they can't get out of pain. And um, his work is about balancing the systems and balancing the body. And he looks at four different parameters. He's like, it's a neurological issue. It's a structural issue. It's going to be a movement issue. It's going to be a strength weakness issue. Those four things. And once he figures out which of the four it is, he's able to identify things you need to do to bring the body back into balance. And then once it's brought into balance, the pain usually goes away. What was really interesting about him on the show is he is he had an emotional connection to it because he's an American and the medical system is a bit different in the, in the States where he's always been exposed to medical professionals who are only trying to make a dollar and they're selling whatever sells and what doesn't sell is healing people because once you have a patient that's better you've lost them and unfortunately that's much more of of the storyline over there not with everyone but more so than we hear in canada and he was so passionate about it he was getting very upset very emotional on, on the podcast you could hear it in his voice and I just came right out and I said, like, why does this bother you so much? And then it was a personal story for him. So that episode just came out uh, this week on this Monday. It was just released. So you can go over there, Project Fitness Podcast, you want to hear that one. But it was very impactful because if you work with people like yourself and me, and we want to help people, his story resonates with us because we, we want to be helping people, not hurting people. And unfortunately, there's some people in this space who make money off people not getting better. And that's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I can definitely uh, speak to the fact that I have a lot of friends in the US that would totally see that like people who are um, 
just in the more like health space of the fitness wellness industry where they've gone out on their own and, and kind of created their own system because they truly do want to help people, even if it means that their business model is different. Um, and they're very passionate about it. And so um, that's definitely one that I'll check out. Something that uh, I ask all of my guests as of late is to give a challenge for the audience. Um, so a challenge for the day, something that you genuinely think would make a person's life a little better or uh, change their outlook or uh, just uh, be something that would enhance their week. So if you were to give a challenge to the audience, what would it be? I'll give you the challenge that I gave a challenge a group of people today. So I do, um, uh, I do some assistance coaching with uh, Ben Pakalski over at Muscle Intelligence. And we have these small groups that we work with and it's a private Facebook group and stuff. So the challenge I gave everyone today was for today, one of your meals. So some of them eat three times a day. Some people are bodybuilders, they eat five times a day. So for one of your meals today, when you're done, go for a 10 minute walk. Go for a 10 minute walk with no distractions. So distractions come in the form of phones, they come in the form of music. Go for a 10 minute walk. And the rules are, you gotta swing your arms. You gotta be outside. And you got to look up, can't look down and then report back after 10 minutes. What is different? What do you feel you gain from that? And what most people have come back and said is my digestion after my meal was better. I wasn't burping. I didn't have as much gas. Some people say I have energy because after I usually eat lunch or eat a meal, I'm a little bit slow, but I do my walk and I have a little bit more energy. Some people say that they're just, that they, they get stiff midday and their stiffness goes away. So the challenge that I would give any of your listeners is one thing you could do is the next time you have a meal, schedule it to go for a 10 minute walk outside, no distractions, eyes are up, you're not allowed to look down, you gotta look up, you gotta take in the scenery, preferably you're outside doing this, swing your arms, get a little bit of a bounce on, and then see how you feel better. You'd be surprised with how you can increase your body processes just by doing something as simple as getting outside, getting some vitamin D, doing very low movement, walking for 10 minutes. And you'll see how much better you can feel. Once you start doing that on a daily basis, you'd be surprised how that can change your life. I love that. And I'm totally on board with that challenge and can see how like little details like swinging the arms will actually make like a mechanical difference and just how a person breathes when they walk and just um, just how their body responds to it. As we draw this episode to a close, are there any parting words that you'd like to leave with my audience? Your audience, could you just give me a rundown here? Is your audience fitness professionals or are they people who work out? I feel they- like, honestly, this is a call to action for my audience. If you listen to this show, uh, tell me who you are. But generally, <laughs> if I was to, to take a guess, I would say it's about a 40% split of probably American fitness professionals and then 60% um, Canadian fitness enthusiasts. Okay, so for your American fitness professionals, I don't want to get any... Um, uh, hate messages on social media. I was not attacking you when I said that the industry, you know, tries to take money. I'm just saying this is what this one guy said. This one guy said to me, and it's just his experience. I'm just, you know, I'm the messenger. I was passing saying the message here. Um, but when it comes to uh, our American friends, my American friends over there, um, American uh, t- tends to be the leader when it comes into fitness, and we tend to follow suit second. The U.S. also has the biggest opportunity. You know, 10 times the population, there's a lot more um, uh, obese and people that need help. So that is why you're seeing some of the, the stronger people come from that country as well, because they have a bigger population to practice on. To our Canadian friends over here, 
I would say things are getting better. And in the last two years with everything going on with uh, the pandemic, hopefully it has challenged you in ways you haven't been challenged before. And it's, it's taught you how to pivot and modify your current training business to go with the trends, go with the times. And I think that's what's happening right now. There's a lot more doors being open. Some people aren't, aren't working out in commercial gyms anymore. Okay, so there's an opportunity to how to help someone work out at home. You know, try to expand your knowledge with, with training outdoors rather than just in a gym. How to get comfortable using virtual training sessions for people. How to get comfortable using online platforms to work with more people. There's options now that was not there two years ago for the majority of fitness professionals. So hopefully you've pivoted and you've learned to be a little bit better. And if not, it doesn't mean it can't happen. You, you can still do it because the trends are going to be going, are, are continually going in that direction now. So you can step up and you can still make changes, uh, you know, for the future and for yourself. I love it. It's beautiful. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for making your debut on the show and joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This was a lot of fun.